0: Lemuel Gonzalez, repentant sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday school lesson, Without Works.
1: Thank you so much for returning to us this week. In this episode, we are bringing a little of the old and a little of the new. First up, we're going to discuss what makes a Christian in this week's The More You Know. Buttigieg, South Bend, Indiana mayor, 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, and gay Christian man, has found himself at odds with evangelicals on two fronts, that he is gay and that he is Episcopalian. We are not going to discuss the first issue at this juncture, as it will require a deep dive, but we do want to speak today on the topic that I didn't even know was an issue. What is a Christian? Conservative evangelical writer Eric Erickson tweeted and was picked up by several outlets, stating, I mean, if Buttigieg thinks evangelicals should be supporting him instead of Trump, he fundamentally does not understand the roots of Christianity. But then he is an Episcopalian, so he might not actually understand Christianity more than superficially. Laura Ingram, a second noted conservative commentator, said in an article now he says he's a traditional episcopalian whatever that means these days so the question that i pose is this with comments about episcopalianism questioning its legitimacy as christianity what is a christian
0: what is a christian that's a good question i'm glad you asked (laughs) Christianity is an enormous belief system. There are many groups that claim membership to it. Broadly, Christians are expected to believe the Nicene Creed.
1: The Nicene Creed. Mm -hmm. So let's break that down, the Nicene Creed. Let's start with a creed. What, other than a character in the Rocky movies, is a creed? A
0: creed is a statement of belief. It is predominantly religious, but it can also be applied to other things. What a group of people claim to believe and what defines them. Great. The earliest Christian statements of faith, the creed's closest to Jesus' lifetime, probably show what the earliest members of the Church believed. The Apostles' Creed was, according to tradition, formulated by the Twelve Apostles, but it was likely developed uh, to use during baptisms. Okay. The Apostles' Creed is still recited in many churches today. Can you read us the creed? All right. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. and a life everlasting. Amen.
1: So that would be the Catholic version?
0: Well, also the word Catholic meant as a very old meaning here, which is universal.
1: Okay, so Catholic little mm-hmm. c, right. as opposed to Catholic No, it c. is
0: adopted by the Catholic Church, and what we just read is an English translation that's undergone a little bit of modification over time. But as you can see, this is uh, even before the Nicene Creed. And it was used for a sort of a call and response to a person when they were being baptized.
1: Okay, so this isn't something that's read as such like a prayer necessarily.
0: It is now. It's, be, it's recited often in churches during services. Uh, Particular services
1: or just where no.
0: applicable? I was at a, um, a funeral where it was used okay. as an affirmation of faith by everybody. But it was probably formulated originally so that people being baptized into the faith could uh, accept the part of it, a call and response. Do you believe in God our Father? Um, Like,
1: you've come to commune at this church, do you believe the things that the other people in this church believe?
0: And typically, and we still do this in the high church, you have an extensive education in what the beliefs of the church are. So it's affirming that you're aware of all the things that you're committing to.
1: And is that like catechism? Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is like, pre-baptism class. Well,
0: it would, yes, but it's an or education. A
1: pre-confirmation class, and we'll talk about right. all of that at some And we'll some come point.
0: to that eventually, too. But it's really just an education to all the tenets of the faith, so that you're, you're informed about what you believe as you go forward.
1: Gotcha. So that's very specific, uh, and that was the Apostles' Creed. Yes. So, but you said more the Nicene Creed is what is the fundamental belief of Christianity, right?
0: I said the Nicene Creed because it was something that the early church agreed to, was the defining creed of our faith.
1: Okay, so what's the history there?
0: There was a meeting gathered in Nicaea, which is a place in Turkey. It's now beneath the lake, I believe. Constantine I, founder of Constantinople, he gathered together all the existing Christian bishops. I say existing because it was... Just, we had just ended a period of persecution for the church. He gathered them together and had a meeting where he sat as a, as an observer. He wasn't allowed to comment.
1: So, Constantine, is he a Christian?
0: Yes, he's claimed to convert. Constantine had converted after a miraculous victory in 312 against the overwhelming forces at the Battle of Milvian Bridge. He wanted an official version of the faith after that. Okay, so
1: he's like, "I'm Christian now. What do I believe?" And then he could ask a number of different people and get a number of different not responses. a number of
0: different answers. As much as there was controversies within the surviving churches.
1: So these 300 bishops mm-hmm. that were brought together at this council, they're going to be the heads of the church. They basically. are the heads of the church. They are the heads
0: of the church. Now they're able to but practice now being without legal uh, codified as the heads
1: of the church, and they're like. They're basically making, like, their their constitution.
0: Right. And the Christian bishops were all getting together to decide what was and what wasn't Christianity.
1: I have a question. Yes,
0: you've raised your hand nicely. Go you've ahead. You've
1: said very early church. Mm-hmm. Can you give an approximate date?
0: 325 A.D. So, the
1: Nicene Creed.
0: It was a Nicene council. Yes. And they all sat together and they were going to decide some things. It was in 325. Yes, it was. And uh, what they were going to decide was, what date is Easter on? They were going to decide the... Yes?
1: I have a question. (laughs) All right. Uh, They didn't really decide.
0: No, I said this is what they were going to do. Oh, okay. They (laughs) failed to decide when Easter was. Yes, I was like, if you only
1: had a few ideas or things on the roster, you'd think that would be one that they could knock out pretty easily, but no.
0: Well, remember, Christianity was relatively new, and it had been persecuted for a while, so it's been underground. It's been underground. Uh, there were persecutions under Nero. There were persecutions um, most recently under Diocletian. I think that's how you pronounce his name. That sounds right. And so, um, some of the people who showed up at this first council were actually people who had survived, or had been tortured, or had families who were, they lost to martyrdom. So, this was very serious business, and these were very hardened men in some ways.
1: Okay, so. On the itinerary mm-hmm. for the Nicene Council, date of Easter, right. we'll come back to that because it's not as important.
0: Right, it's not I guess as they, they
1: decided that they would come back to that and deal with some other things. They tabled
0: first. it because they had other things to deal with.
1: So what else did they want to talk about?
0: What they wanted to do was to establish what Christianity was, because it had been underground for a long time, it had been practiced in remote places. It had also become a little bit different from the Gospels as they were originally taught. All these things were hidden and, and passed around. And
1: so, may, may I ask a question? Yes. Is this where it was codified that you didn't have to be a Jew to be a Christian, or had that already been codified?
0: That had already been discussed as far back as the original disciples.
1: Right. And I think, was it Paul? Peter.
0: Peter, Peter. who began converting non-Jews, Gentiles. And then Paul went. Off to he was going off to Spain, he was or he was planning to, and to other parts of the Roman Empire,
1: there were two schools of thought. One mm-hmm. was to be a Christian, you had to be a jew first, and right. so that also largely, especially for adult men mm-hmm. in foreign countries, this would require a circumcision.
0: It would also require adhering to some very restrictive dietary laws.
1: Right, that's right. The dietary Mm -hmm. laws were still largely in place. But I would be willing to bet that the circumcision may have had more sway than dietary laws.
0: Depends on who's converting.
1: That's true. I'm I'm talking specifically about among adult men. Among adult men. Because babies, they're babies. They're not going to remember. An adult man will remember, and this is a land before...
0: Anesthesia. Women actually were very much on board. Christianity in the very early days was actually very good with women. It gave them a more respected place in the household than they did in many of these sort of, I guess pagan would be the word to use, although that's such a broad term.
1: Pagan just means, well, you would actually you'd probably use the word heathen, mm-hmm. non-Christian. Right. That's all the word heathen means. Well,
0: pagan in the, those days simply meant you worshipped, you weren't monotheistic. Polytheistic, a mm-hmm. if you were polytheistic. So then, yeah, it, it actually gave women a place. Widows were given a place in the church. They were taken care of. Uh, so it, for women, it actually had a lot of benefits. And that's the reason why they think, uh, archaeologists and anthropologists think, that uh, women had such a prominent place in the early church mm-hmm. because it really favored them.
1: Right. So the Nicene Council isn't so much um, concerned with. Who can be a Christian as with what a
0: Christian believes? Right, defining it. Because, again, there were people who were bringing in different strains of the faith. There were people who had not gotten the original teachings and had developed things on their own. Um, So they wanted to mostly get together and agree what the new religion was. Codify it. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So they created the first uh, Nicene Creed, which was changed over time. It was changed to include new language because it was combating uh, different heresies, as they're called, that evolved in the church, which were people believing things that were outside the scriptures. To give you exactly the Nicene Creed in English rather than Latin, I was tempted. We believe in one God, maker of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten of the Father, that is the essence of the Father, God of God, light of light very God of God, begotten, not made, by whom all things were made, both in heaven and earth, who for us and for our salvation came down and was incarnate and made man. He suffered on the third day rose again ascended into heaven. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead, and in the Holy Ghost. That's a version of the very oldest statement. It was taken from older hymns that had been used in baptisms and in communion suppers in the early church. And they were able to put together the parts that they could all agree on. So there you see the beginning of what's called Trinitarian belief. The God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost.
1: Okay, and they are very clear in the Mary had nothing to do. There is no Mary in
0: Jesus. Mm -hmm, At this point. Okay. This is what they were agreeing with the original of uh, the original uh, statements of the faith that they could all agree on. Okay. Now, later on, they began to include Mary because there were statements made. Uh, there were a lot of different kinds of beliefs that were trying to influence the church. Some of them were that Jesus only appeared to be a material being and wasn't. Uh, one of them was that Jesus had an origin point. We believe that he comes directly as a, like an emanation from God, so he exists as God.
1: So he just appeared fully formed in the Mary. No, not fully Mary. formed.
0: In other words, Jesus is what happens when Okay, that's maybe that's a hard one not to So get there's into a, a difference.
1: It's like either Mary's womb was empty, mm-hmm. no egg, no nothing, and then there was a, a, an embryo or a fetus, whatever, in there. uh uh-huh. Or God fertilized the egg that is Mary's so that he was he would have been flesh of her flesh.
0: mm mm-hmm. Uh, in regards to Mary, she gets mentioned later on. There's a, a council of Constantinople in which the Nicene Creed is amended, and they mention Mary, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost and of the Virgin Mary and was made man. Right. In the earlier version, it just mentions that he was made incarnate. Now it gives her name specifically. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say he was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. And the reason this was done is because you wanted to tie it into an actual historical event. It was very important for them to remember Jesus was born by this person mm-hmm. and was put to ex- or was executed by this person who was a historical character that was a part of the Roman Empire that existed in this time.
1: To give them sort of more credence than saying, like Adam and Eve, right, well, was a story that nobody can link to a time and a place. This
0: is the transition between Christian belief Or a Christian belief as it was in the early church and being accepted by the Roman Empire. Because the Romans also told stories about demigods being Mm -hmm. born and things, but it happened in a sort of a fantasy time. They didn't literally believe those stories. Right. These were myths they created to express things about their faith and their ideas. The difference was, Jesus was actually a person who lived and walked around and spoke to people. And the early church... Let's say, and we've mentioned this before, but an early church meeting would be you and I going to a person's house, Mm -hmm. and then Peter or James would show up and Mm -hmm. talk to you about things that they saw. Right. But by this point, those people are already dead. Most of them had been executed in the persecutions.
1: Well, and also it's been 300 years.
0: So they needed to start tying it into a historical time to remind people that this wasn't the story of Hercules, it wasn't the story of other characters, Romulus and Remus, These were actual, this was an actual person in the actual world.
1: Okay. Jesus as the Son of God? Mm -hmm. Is that
0: accurate? Right. And then it became a little bit different because they wanted to specify that Jesus was equal with God, not just an inferior being, which is what some people believed at the time. This was the Arian controversy. And so they changed the creed to combat that, saying, oh, wait, no, we believe that Jesus is God and is equal with God. And that's why later on there's a little bit of like, really fancy language about what Jesus is. The first consul of Constantinople altered it to, uh, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds. That was added to specify, yes, he is God, he's not somebody who was an angel who was chosen for the part. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, because some people still believe that.
1: Yeah, there seems to be a, not an argument, but Mm -hmm. a disconnect from various versions of the faith between Jesus as god and Jesus mm-hmm. as son of god right so yeah what was he right. to and that still is there is a schism
0: there still is
1: mm-hmm. in terms of what is a christian what a christian is is a person who believes in the father the son the holy ghost right
0: the incarnation
1: the, the incarnation yes. what do you mean
0: the incarnation god was made flesh
1: okay so that, oh, that's fine. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Mm-hmm. That He died and was risen.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's it. Well, yes. So what you <laughs> have there, the incarnation.
1: I mean, you have to believe in the Virgin Birth mm-hmm. and the and the idea. That well, that's Jesus, the incarnation.
0: The okay, thing, right? that's what
1: the incarnation is. Yes,
0: um, he suffered. Uh, he third uh, the third day he rose again and ascended into heaven, and that someday he'll come back to judge. Uh, or from thence, which means maybe from there, not even describing a second coming, right. he's going to judge the quick and the dead, and that was originally just it.
1: What is the quick and the dead?
0: The quick is alive, and the dead are the dead.
1: That's that one's easy. Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't know that quick meant alive. So. And in the Holy Ghost, just as an so a, an Jesus
1: is sitting in judgment of us,
0: right? But being that he's a much nicer guy, chances are he'll cut you some slack.
1: Well. We don't know that
0: he loves everybody. Everybody. Well, he doesn't like people who are <laughs> children or people who are religious hypocrites. Those are the only two groups he condemns Ay to hell. I mucho,
1: I mucho, mucho, yeah, mucho, well, mucho.
0: All right. A lot so. Of in the world.
1: Great. So a Christian is a person who believes in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in mm-hmm. the incarnation of Jesus through Mary, mm-hmm. in the fact that He lived. Mm-hmm. died, good. was resurrected uh-huh. on the third day. It's right. very specific. Very specific. Then ascended to heaven, didn't mm-hmm. die, ascended to heaven, mm-hmm. and now sits in judgment of us all. Right. I did it! he did, that's it. That's what makes a Christian. Do Episcopalians believe that?
0: Episcopalians, Roman Catholics, uh, the African and Greek Orthodox, everyone else, every, all Trinitarian parts of the faith believe this.
1: Uh, evangelicals?
0: Evangelicals are supposed to believe this. And they make a great deal of noise about that, but they it seems like they don't. <laughs> but, okay.
1: But is there, are there any other requirements to be a Christian?
0: No. Now, one thing I will ask you, Heavenly Host, what gets left out when you're looking at that Nicene Creed? And we can take the one that's more modern, Right. What does it leave out that's really conspicuous to you?
1: uh, What does it leave out? It leaves out, well, all of the Bible. (laughs) I mean, not all. It it keeps the basic plot of the Gospels, but Mm -hmm. it leaves out literally everything else. At no
0: point does it say the Bible cannot be questioned or the Bible is even to be used.
1: It also doesn't talk about the Ten Commandments.
0: It never mentions hell.
1: Oh, no hell.
0: So it's not that they don't believe in hell, but if you're going to put together what you cannot question in the faith, it's Jesus, that you can't question the story of Jesus, but it's not talking about other things that become very serious in the modern church.
1: It also specifically just says, Jesus will judge us. Right. It doesn't say that you, Martha on your porch, <laughs> needs to judge anybody.
0: <laughs> now, in the, the Council of Constantinople, the more developed one, the last sentence is, in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, and by Catholic it means universal. It didn't mean Catholicism, specifically it's Catholic.
1: It's little C Catholic, right. not big C Catholic. We acknowledge Catholic.
0: one baptism for the remission of sins, we look for the resurrection of the dead, and life in the world to come. So Once an again, afterlife. It would have been perfect, right there to mention, and burning hell for sinners, and it does not.
1: It says resurrection of the dead and the life in the world to come. Just a-
0: an afterlife. Mm-hmm. Right. So what we're putting a lot of emphasis on now in the Christian church is something that they didn't even agree to was important enough to put into the first statements of faith.
1: Ha ha. I don't believe in hell. I don't. Seems
0: like... Um... Punitive. And there's different versions of hell, and we can discuss that yeah. one time. Worse. Uh, Several times, actually, you might have to. Yeah, no, that's right. But I thought it was very interesting about the things it doesn't mention. The things that aren't, they didn't find so necessary that they had to indoctrinate people. There's a hell, and you're going to go there.
1: Yeah, no, all it is is, well, there's there's no consequence. Hey, if you want to be a Christian, here's the thing you have to believe. Do you believe that? Cool, you're a Christian. Done.
0: Yeah, that's pretty (laughs) much the way it is. You ever see people, there used to be a guy at, I think it was baseball games, he'd hold up a sign, John 3.16, right? He
1: was in so many things. All right. So and Anne became a, like mm. a meme before memes were a thing. He was in television shows. and right. that Yeah, John 3.16. So John
0: 3.16 reads, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Which is basically this. The entire thing. One verse. (laughs) It's not complicated. All you have to do is believe in Jesus, and that's
1: it. And you're done. You're saved.
0: You're saved. He
1: saved you by dying on the cross horribly.
0: Yes. All right. So we got that. Now we know what a Christian is. We know that this is something that's accepted through all the Christian churches. Now, mind you, some people seem to think this is, you know, doctrine by committee, but at the same time, these were the early church fathers. They were much closer to it than we were,
1: right? And everything is doctrine by committee.
0: At some point, yes, the mainstream church is trinitarian. That's part of the definition of being Christian. There are still beliefs in that revolve around Christianity, involve Jesus and the figures in the Bible that are not trinitarian, uh, which would be. A good example would be the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses.
1: Okay, so they don't believe...
0: Yes, they're not Trinitarian.
1: ...in what we just read. Do they believe in pieces of it?
0: They believe in some of it. However, they believe that Jesus is a being who is not equal with the Father.
1: Okay, so more along the lines of, like, Islam, who believes that that Jesus Jesus is is a prophet, but not...
0: Well, their beliefs are, are, by Christian standards, very odd. So this is what troubled me. There were conservatives who supported Mitt Romney's presidential run a number of years ago. Mitt Romney was a professed Mormon.
1: Yes, he is a practicing, as far as we know,
0: right uh, Mormon. <laughs> this is what bothered me about the hypocrisy of those conservative people because under the ideas of what even the evangelical church should subscribe to, Mitt Romney is a blasphemer. The Mormons believe, not in a trinity, but that Jesus was a being selected to the, or who vied with his brother Lucifer for the opportunity to become the savior of the world. Wait, now, yes, their belief system includes the plot of Lost.
1: Well, that is the plot of Lost.
0: Right. That's so, wild.
1: Okay, so I know very little about mm-hmm. the actual faith of the Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm what i do know a little bit more of is the beliefs of the FLDS that's mm-hmm. the fundamentalist latter day saints via a very disturbing book called under the banner of heaven right <laughs> so we don't have to get too into that mm-hmm. the church of latter day saints has disavowed FLDS mm-hmm. um so i don't want to incorporate right. a disavowed branch uh back into the church of latter day saints um I have met many Mormons who have been very kind. Yes. I am legitimately perplexed by their belief system. There we go. That's
0: actually As am I. I recently visited with a good friend the uh, Mormon temple, which is uh which is visible from uh, our back porch as we speak. It's a beautiful building.
1: It's a huge white building on the hill that non-Mormons are not typically permitted to
0: enter. So there was recently some work done there, and we were allowed to go in to see some of the uh, building itself. And even during that presentation, we were presented with some of the Mormon doctrine. They wanted you to be familiar with it. And what they put forward is the idea that if, for instance, you and I were married, we would have a sealing ceremony, which would unite us together together. For all of eternity, including after our death. This is in direct contradiction of the teachings of Jesus. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that, uh, and this was the instance he gave when he was being questioned, he was being thrown a legal question, which is, a woman had a husband, he died, his brother married her so that she could have issue or children, Mm -hmm. and then that brother died, and so seven brothers die and leave her without children. So when she gets to heaven, who's she married to? And Jesus responded, spirits don't have genders. They're like God. Yes, okay. Jesus Christ said that.
1: Um, I want that. On many shirts of a varying rainbow of colors. All right.
0: Well, yes, we can get back to that later. Because that
1: is a wild statement that I did not know existed right. and really leans against this gender issue. This is the, this this is part of the purpose of this
0: broadcast. Okay. That's is the idea bananas. that Jesus was not simply the man who you see on picture postcards or in so movies. So
1: pale of skin and blonde of hair.
0: He was... <laughs> if you don't believe that he was God, he was an amazingly profound thinker. That's where I'm at. If you do believe he was God, as I do on the opposite side of the table, it's because he's revealing a truth to you that we can't understand unless he has to explain it to us, right? So anyhow, going back to this, the, the, the teaching that they were giving us at the temple was in direct contradiction of what Jesus said. Now what Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons believe is that the teachings of the early Church were corrupted, that after the original disciples died, much of what Jesus taught was lost, and a great deal was made up or changed. So okay. that they believe that Jesus, or sometimes angels or other beings, revealed things specifically to the founders of both the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormon Church separately. I mean,
1: So they have prophets, they have their own prophets. They have their own
0: prophets and their own ideology that was revealed to them by angels and other beings. And prophecies of end times, in some cases, or very different ideas from what the Christian Church holds, but both of what uh, what those two churches do, because the Jehovah's Witnesses also believe that um, Jesus was an exalted angel. They don't believe that Jesus comes, and that's part of the reason why, when you read that the, the uh, Nicene Creed. They're very specific on generated from God, God before God. We're talking about God, not a series of angels like the Gnostics believe, you know, layers of angels that and things like that. They were Mm -hmm. trying very specifically to combat those kind of beliefs. So, my question was why Mitt Romney got so much support from the conservative movement, being that he was a Mormon and the things that he believed were in direct opposition to both what Jesus taught and what the Creed was.
1: It's unlikely that
0: Questions
1: were ever asked directly Mm -hmm. because it was probably thought that it was going to be inflammatory to ask somebody about their faith, right? Uh, which
0: is ridiculous nowadays.
1: Is ridiculous.
0: Well, we've gone so far beyond that.
1: If you're going to appeal to a group of people while keeping your beliefs on the DL, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: knowing that those people vote specifically because of those beliefs, Right. that is duplicitous.
0: And this is not to say that there are people who are not very good, decent people who are Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons. I'm saying that that belief does not fit under the blanket of Christianity as it was established by the Church Fathers in 325.
1: And even when there was the break with Martin mm-hmm. Luther
0: right. and the, the, the split between Catholic, Catholic and Protestant, Protestant. right
1: they kept that trinitarian right. belief.
0: They absolutely did. They never divorced from it.
1: And then they didn't add on they I don't they nobody looks at Martin Luther as a, in Lutheranism mm-hmm. as a prophet. That's not no, how that faith was formed. Right. Okay.
0: So my thing is they supported Romney? Yes. They support Trump who also well, I mean that's ridiculous the things that you do are, are just wild opposition of the teachings of Jesus.
1: By all real accounts, Mm -hmm. Trump is as much of a Christian as I am. He believes as strongly in Christianity as I do.
0: No, I think you actually have more respect for Christianity than That's fine. I'm not Mm. talking
1: about respect for beliefs. I'm talking about belief in Mm -hmm. a faith system.
0: Right. A specific faith system. A specific faith system.
1: Where I am at zero, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: he is also at zero. (laughs) He may be a member of a church. My understanding is that he is. Really? Uh, Yes, because somebody said yes, he's a member of this church. Probably he signed up, or whatever it is that you do, when he thought he was going to run Uh the first time, because it's been a while. But the the church, the the deacon or whatever at the church that he is a member of, was like he's never
0: been here. Oh, well, he also—I mean,
1: he's been here so infrequently as to basically if have never. An been actual here.
0: church body governing it, he should be censured for the things that he's saying. And his ha, actions,
1: ha, that's cute. Uh, talk to Congress and see well, if anybody is, will censure this motherfucker. Well, where the, the
0: hypocrisy, <laughs> where the hypocrisy of it comes in, because we can accept Romney for being a Mormon whose belief system is technically blasphemy under the Nicene Nicene Creed. We can accept Trump, who is a serial adulterer, but we're going to reject Obama, who's a professed Christian, who... There was a very interesting moment... And a
1: church-going man. There
0: was a very interesting (sighs) moment when he was at a prayer breakfast and he was announcing his belief in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. I'm thinking there are still people accusing him of being a Muslim. The worst Muslim in the world is not going to call Jesus Christ his Lord and Savior. no. However
1: they, they think that Jesus was a prophet.
0: They believe that Jesus was a prophet. Nothing, well, nothing more. No, a very basically. important prophet, but still uh, not a And not Lord their, and their prophet. But um yes, and you look at, at even Obama other people can behave themselves at a national prayer breakfast, right? And not spend the time speaking about themselves and about the policies they put into place.
1: Well, he wasn't uh, narcissist. Like a, what's the word? Um, Toxic (laughs) narcissist? That's not the right word, but he is.
0: So in summation, I would like to say that Episcopalians accept the creed. So they fall under the enormous blanket of what gets to be a Christian.
1: So Pete Buttigieg, Christian. Yes. Donald Trump, not a Christian. Well...
0: (laughs) Jesus says that you know a tree by its fruit.
1: Mm. His fruit are so rotten, and also he wants to have sex with it.
0: I I don't (laughs) know what his thing is, but I think we can safely say that if Pete, Buddha judge, has done those things, has accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and believes in this faith, then or has accepted these things, he is a Christian. There also is, of course, The part we're not looking into, which is practice. But in terms of the things that you believe, it's very simple.
1: I got it. Okay. Episcopalians, you're in. Next up, we have a new segment dealing in bad people, named by my co-host.
0: Get thee behind me, Felicia.
1: Where we are going to talk a bit about someone misusing Christianity and, from our perspective, getting it all wrong.
0: Billy Graham was a great influence on his generation. He had a huge political influence through his radio programs and evangelistic campaigns, which reached an estimated live audience of over 200 million people in 185 countries. He was a presidential advisor to every president from Harry Truman through Barack Obama. He advised Republican and Democrat alike, stating Jesus did not have a political party. He was included in Gallup's list of most admired men and women 61 times, most of any man or woman in the history of that pole, He was the son of a dairy farmer, a stubborn man who celebrated the end of Prohibition by forcing the 15-year-old Billy to drink beer until he got sick. This led to lifelong abstaining, including refusing a drink with C.S. Lewis when he visited England. He wrestled with his faith early on and had a particular struggle that he eventually reconciled with the infallibility of Scripture. He was not a great student, preferring to spend his time reading Edgar Rice Burroughs and he was nearly expelled from Bob Jones College. He overcame these issues, too, becoming ordained in the Southern Baptist Fellowship and earning a degree in anthropology. He was an innovator in bringing ministry through media, first radio, then revival tent meetings, then television, syndicated news columns, and finally mainstream movies that promoted tolerance and morality. His production company produced over 130 films, including The Hiding Place, a biography of Corrie ten Boom, writer and concentration camp survivor, who he discovers her faith while imprisoned. Graham did have missteps and conservative leanings and struggled with the new role of women in the world and homosexuality as a sin. He once denounced AIDS as a judgment from God then almost immediately recanted that in a statement. He said, I don't believe that. I don't know why I said it. He had views that can be considered anti-Semitic though he recanted from those as well and became an active supporter of Israel and in the refusal to call Jews to uh, convert in order to be saved. His biggest successes were his promotion of racial tolerance and integration. He was friendly enough with Dr. Martin Luther King that he got to call him Mike and insisted on integration for his revivals and crusades as early as 1953. And his ecumenical views, I quote, I think that everybody that loves or knows Christ, whether they're conscious of it or not, they are members of the body of Christ. God is calling people out of the world for his name, whether they be from the Muslim world or from the Buddhist world or the non-believing world. They are members of the body of Christ because they have been called by God. They may not know the name of Jesus, but they know in their hearts that they need something they do not have. And they turn to the only light they have. I think that they are saved and they are going to be with us in heaven.
1: Franklin Graham is the 66 year old son of the late Billy Graham and the leader of the eponymous Billy Graham Evangelical Foundation. He's in the news this week for calling for a day of prayer for the President of the United States, Donald Trump. He has got an an idea that God had helped Donald Trump reach the White House, and now the President needs divine aid again. Recently, he has said that like no President before him, Trump is under attack from Democrats, Republicans, the media, even powers and principalities beyond the human realm. His presidency was in peril, the country at a moral crossroads. And so Franklin Graham, the son of Billy, plans to name Sunday, June 2nd, a special day of prayer to protect Trump from his enemies. Graham says we are on the edge of a precipice, that time is short, that we need to pray to God to intervene. We need to ask God to protect, strengthen, encourage, and guide the president. Many, many, many. Christian leaders, and Christians who are not leaders, but Christians, (laughs) uh, believe that this is a politically motivated stunt, and that everything that Trump has shown to be is anti-Christian. That we shouldn't be praying for his successes, as his successes are not for the good of all, Sunday's event is a near-perfect embodiment of political evangelicalism in the age of Trump, blending Christian nationalism, the idea that the U.S. is a special place in God's plan, and Trump as God's agent, and social media, where it's difficult to separate the wheat of actual believers and the chaff of bots planted by Russians and others. Several Christians have indicated that they believe that Graham and others have sold their souls for political pottage. Some are accusing Graham of weaponizing prayer and turning it into a pro-Trump propaganda tool. While praying for politicians is commonplace in American churches, but Graham's idea is more political and more partisan, some Christians say. It's also a significant escalation in white evangelicals' public support for Trump at a critical moment in his presidency. Uh, Franklin Graham, as the son of Billy Graham, has a huge following on social media where he regularly shares his support for Trump and other conservative politicians. We must contrast this directly with his continuing questioning of prior President Obama's Christian faith. And I want to speak to that directly right now. Obama, in his actions and thoughtfulness and speech, seemed Christian- seemed at least to follow Christian ideals. President Trump and all of his actions and speech seem to contradict Christian ideals in every conceivable way, and this is, of course, to an outsider. Franklin Graham has said he de- while he doesn't agree with Trump's policies, he believes that if he's a good president, it benefits every American of every race and gender. Still, Graham acknowledged that Trump has been a especially attentive patron to his evangelical base calling him the most pro-Christian president in his lifetime. This, off the top, sounds like he is either lying or delusional. I can't speak to what is going on in Franklin Graham's head, but the treatment of immigrants at the border, the treatment of the LGBTQ population, uh, the treatment of women's health issues under the Trump presidency to say nothing of Trump's personal behavior, his bullying behavior towards others, including those of significantly less power than him, as well as his extramarital and multiple marriage personal dealings, would will out that Pro-Christian is not what Franklin Graham is saying. Pro-straight white man is what he is saying. Um, There are groups of evangelicals, I understand, that do place men at the head of the family. So often evangelicals believe that women are subservient. But all this to say, the policies being put in place are not pro-Christian, They are pro straight white man, a large population of which happens to be Christian. And there's a causal relationship that is seemingly largely being missed. And whether that is, as I say, blatantly being disregarded or conveniently. Forgotten, I couldn't say. Uh, Nothing in this call to prayer calls Trump to repentance for his many lies, for his support of ruthless dictators around the world, for his obstructions of reasonable congressional oversight, or for the authorization of cruel treatment of asylum seekers at the border. This prayer has been specifically worded to be against Trump's, quote, enemies Apparently, anyone may fall under that, as Democrats, Republicans, the media are all indicated as members of his quote-unquote enemies. When Franklin Graham was asked how he would answer critics who say that Trump and his evangelical allies are actually a threat to the church, Graham declined to answer the question. He says he wouldn't even answer a person like that. He doesn't think it is valid. And I don't know if he is so disconnected or if it's blatant falsehood on his part. I cannot tell if this man is divorced from reality or has turned his back on reality. One of the two is true. I don't know if it's an on purpose. Uh, further, some past- pastors have said that their church members threatened to walk out of churches if they ever prayed for Obama on a Sunday morning but they are happy to pray for Trump and likely will this weekend. And that is another indication that there may be a white nationalist base for the support that Franklin Graham is garnering and gathering support with. Mm-hmm. That it's not a Christian view, but a white nationalist view. So Billy Graham was a man who had faults but recognized them
0: and seemed to want to do good for the most people. I, I tell you the feeling that I had rereading this again and having grown up where he had a tremendous amount of influence was that he had the personal prejudices of a person of his time okay. and his background, but he was constantly struggling with them. His statements on gays at first was really reprehensible, and then near, I think it was about two weeks later, from what I understand, he backed out of his statement about AIDS And then went on to support the rights of AIDS patients and just sidestep the issue of homosexuality altogether as if he didn't understand it, so he's not going to discuss it. Well, that's problematic in itself. It is, but it's not the worst tack he could have taken. Right. And similarly with uh, feminism and women's rights, he thought it was, again, it wasn't something that was a part of his culture, his background, or his understanding. And so even when he made statements, he kind of, wouldn't refer to it again his way of handling something that was beyond his understanding basically was to stop talking about it okay the uh, it seemed in reading uh, his biography again that he was a very influential and powerful person who was constantly trying to use his power for good yes. as far as he could understand it and from your description of franklin graham the impression that i'm getting is that he's building on his father's very hard worked platform his father worked very hard and he's using this to do almost to undo his work
1: That's what it feels like. It feels like he's, he, well, he is saying the words good Mm -hmm. for the most number of people. And it is true that if a president is a good president, Uh that is good for everyone. Unfortunately, that is not the situation in which we find
0: ourselves. Well, these aren't the words his father would ever use. A man who championed uh, desegregation would not be on the side of the president. No. This president. Exactly. And so, you know, uh, a man who really supported... uh, To his own, he was attacked by other evangelicals, other people. He was once called the Antichrist, of all things, because of his support of ecumenicalism. The idea that, as in the the passages I read, everyone gets to go to heaven. He wasn't a part of that. And I think that what I got really was the sense here's a man struggling with trying to break free of the traditions he grew up with.
1: Right. And it feels very much like Franklin Graham is taking... The reach that his father gives him, exactly and touting what I can only see are white nationalist ideals
0: and that's what's so puzzling. I don't understand what about the influence of a man who who was able to call Dr. King Mike, you know, a person who has that level of which is wild with him. because Martin doesn't shorten to Mike, right. so
1: what is happening?
0: <laughs> yeah um I don't see how. How you go from that to being, you know, a person who essentially is supporting a man who would love a segregated world? Yeah, I don't see how you can do that. I, I don't. I don't get it.
1: I think it is a a fear, a, a white fear, mm-hmm. uh, of a loss of culture, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything to me right. as a white person. Right. I don't fear the loss of my culture which is not even here in America. If you want to go way back, it's in mm-hmm. Europe. It's still there. I could still go see it. I don't think that the happiness of people who are not like me yeah. detracts from my ability to be happy. Uh I don't feel like... You know, if gay people are married, I'm not going to be able to have a happy marriage. I mean, I may not, anyways, but that's not on them.
0: That's <laughs> it's you know, there's it's, not it's, it's not it, a pie. It seems as if his son is again going in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. He's not pushing for this sort of idea of scholarship and bringing kind of a uh, because Graham's idea was to bring people of all sorts of different faiths. He's raised Presbyterian, he becomes a Baptist, he. Does all these other things to bring churches together, together
1: to bring people right. under the umbrella of love and and any support that you have for this current president uh-huh. fractures any love right. that might which be, which is
0: really puzzling. And so that's that's what in this contrast that we were preparing as we were preparing this. Yes, I was really baffled. Like, how did that happen? How did you study under this man and then this is your point of view? I'll, it makes you think that the entire time that Franklin Graham was growing up he had this really strong need to make his mark by going in the opposite direction of what his father was doing.
1: Or he's unable to due to his own personal prejudices. He's unable to continue the banner that his father has left for him. And many people are calling on the board of the, of the Billy Graham foundation Mm -hmm. to resign. Right. Because Franklin Graham is such a vocal supporter of this president. Uh, he does not have any appearances on Sunday scheduled except for on Fox News. This is Franklin Graham, right. a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and his preacher, preaching on Sunday, this day of prayer that he is called, is going to be on Fox News. Right. Which basically says everything that you need to know. Right. He is speaking to the already Perverted
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh and directly into the presidency or to gain political favor or
0: what right and yeah, to me again, the movement uh, his actions are really confusing, and I don't understand what he's trying to do almost uh sort of what uh, Trump is currently doing with the presidency, he's undoing the work of other people he is that made progress yes, and it feels as if Franklin Graham is undoing his father's work. It's a great pity.
1: If you want to call for a day of prayer for this mm-hmm. president, the day of prayer should be f- for him to renounce his terrible behavior and decisions. Right. Re- uh, call Call Trump to repent. Not try and save him from his, quote,
0: Animes. enemies. I don't understand. Especially
1: that. because we have a president who is paranoid that everyone is out to get him if they say anything critical. Right. Adding fuel to that fire cannot be helpful to the nation in general. Uh, It seems just dangerous.
0: Well, he doesn't have, in this case, he doesn't have enemies. He has the press, a free press that's going to say whatever it does, the same way they did to every single one of his predecessors.
1: If you believe that what you are doing is right, even if you know what you are doing is wrong, anybody calling you out on those actions is your enemy. And right now, several of the things that our president has done and is doing are wrong. Right. Regardless of the reasons behind the obstruction of justice and the various policies, they are wrong. And when people call him out, he feels that he is being personally attacked. I do not personally attack Donald Trump, but I will personally I will attack the decisions that Donald Trump has made. Uh, and I will call him to repent for those, and apologize to the pu- to the to the public. Right. But if you are supporting dictators, believing the heads of foreign hostile governments over your own intelligence, locking migrant children who are seeking asylum in cages. I'm going to call on you to repent. Those are bad decisions.
0: Yes. The foundation and of Christianity is repentance you know, and restitution. Yes. Make good for the wrong that you've done in life. From the words of somebody who's an authority, uh, Matthew seven fifteen. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits he will know them. That's Jesus Christ. A person who is doing good will do good things. A person who is doing bad will produce bad things. You can't look at a pear tree and say it's an apple. So when you're looking at the actions of this president who's doing these horrible things, and then calling him God's man for our hour, you're sorely mistaken or you're willfully deceiving yourself. From the actions of this man, he's doing something wrong and trying to call it something other than it is, is wrong. This is a false prophet, and those are the words of Jesus. So Franklin Graham, get thee behind us. Bye, Felicia. And that brings us to the end of this episode. If you like it, please subscribe and leave us a review. And share it with someone who you think might like it.
1: We have an internet home, withoutworkspodcast.com. Our show notes, links to stories we talk about, and transcripts for our episodes can be found there.
0: We are also reachable at withoutworkspod at gmail.com, and on Twitter at withoutworkspod, and Facebook At Without Works Podcast. All that information is on the website as well. So go there and have a look around.
1: I've been Amity, and he's been Lemuel, and we urge you to get out there and do something good.